A little child looks out at some menacing figure and says to it, I ain't scared of you. Well, maybe they aren't, but they were a short while before that. Making a boast of what you're not usually reveals that at some point in time before you might not have been able to make the same boast. So what does it tell us about Paul's boast in Romans 1.16 where he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen and this is the Bread of Life. I'm the director of the international ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. We have full-time staff in South America, Asia, and Europe, and we have ministry partners and directors in many other countries. We're blessed that God has allowed us to be a part of reaching lost people and planting churches through the years around the world. And even in these challenging times, God is still using us for this purpose. To learn more about us and our ministry, go to traincpe.org. I'm also the Bible teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our fellowship, go to breadoflifeboise.org. When Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, he is revealing that there is this potential, this temptation. Paul is claiming victory over that temptation, but how did he come by that? Well, he gives us a clue. He then says, For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. Paul could recall the testimony of the gospel's power in the lives of those who influenced him towards that gospel, and he could see the power of the gospel in his own life. He also saw that powerful gospel at play in the lives of those he brought the gospel to. After he had overcome this odd temptation to be ashamed of the gospel. And then Stephen says, Lord, over and over again it says, he said, Lord, receive my spirit. Lord, receive my spirit. Lord, receive my spirit. He's being stoned. It's a horribly violent way of dying. And then as he's being stoned, the description that Paul would have given to Luke was this. Luke says, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And then we're told that while being stoned, he fell asleep. That's the power of the gospel. The violence and the wrath of men being calmed by the precious sleep of God in the midst of a violent world, such prevailing peace, so powerful. Paul saw it with his own eyes. Later on when God confronted Paul on the way to Damascus to persecute more Christians, the Lord Jesus, he said, Saul, Saul, why persecute thou me? You're doing this to me. And then he says to Saul, it's hard to kick against the goads or the pricks. <laughs> what he's saying is, I've been showing you truth and it's galling you. I've been showing you my power of the gospel and it's galling you. It's hard to do it, isn't it? You're just suffering under it because you're resisting what you know is true. But Paul saw the power of the gospel in the lives of those that went before him. And then Paul experienced the power of the gospel in his own life. He experienced it. Paul was awakened by God and he was awakened to his deep spiritual need and his separation from God and he knew he wasn't in the right place and he knew there was nothing that he could do and that he had done trying to prove how righteous and how zealous he was for God that it hadn't solved his problem at all and following all the laws. He knew he was separated from God and then Paul seeing this and recognizing that he was still lost in his sin, repented of his sins, Paul put his faith in Jesus Christ and he believed in him and Paul was instantly turned to him. In order to ask him, Paul says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Just show me what to do. 
And Paul began to receive the regenerating work and power of Christ coming and God pouring his life into him. And Paul, who was a hater and persecutor of Christians, became a lover of Christ and a lover of people. He wanted to bring them just good news. He was ready to do it. That became his life. Drawn out from because of this great regenerating life that he received in Jesus Christ. And then Paul found the witness of the Holy Spirit coming to him, giving victory to him over all kinds of temptations, including this temptation. Including this temptation. Do you have a testimony like that? Do you have a testimony like that? Being awakened to your need. Really deeply repenting, not of some bad thing you've done, but your complete sinfulness. Knowing there's nothing in you and nothing you can bring to God that would wipe away your sins, but that you're completely dependent upon God's answer for you and then discovering that his answer is in his son who died on the cross in your place for your sins in order that he might, in exchange for your sinfulness, give you all of his righteousness. You have that moment when it dawned on you that your work was done, your labor to prove yourself was done, and you freely received what you had not paid for but was given to you? And the freedom you turned, your heart was turned by the Spirit and said, God, what do you want to do with my life? Tell me. I'll do it. Do you have that testimony? Of then him pouring into your life a regenerate life so that what began to rise out of you was something that you didn't inherit from your parents? Not just a good self-image or you know, a, a pleasing nature, but he began to pour into you love and desires and impulses that were strange and new and wonderful and sublime and divine because they were of God. You have that testimony of facing down temptations and finding victory because you cried out to God to deliver you, and he did. The disciples faced this temptation of shame and fear. They were threatened with their very lives. They said, well, we can't help but proclaim what we've seen and heard. Jesus understand that this is what we have to do. But it's still, they were still afraid, and they went and prayed and said, oh, God, help us. They're threatening us. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and it says they went out proclaiming the gospel boldly. They found through the, they found the power of the gospel and the witness of the gospel. Finally, Paul saw the power of the gospel because he saw the effects of the gospel that he gave to others. He saw that when he pushed through that temptation to be ashamed of the gospel, he saw what the gospel produced in those that heard it and it was proclaimed to. He saw the power of the God released in the words of the gospel. Here's something interesting. It doesn't say here that the gospel communicates the power of God. It doesn't say the gospel has within it the power of the God. It's not that the gospel brings to us a message through which we receive or understand the power of God. He says the gospel is the power of God. Its words actually encapsulate and it resonates with power. It's like Paul saying, it's not me. This is what I discovered. It's not me. It's not my tact. It's not my ability. It's not my skill. It's not that I'm deaf. It's that the words itself, the gospel message itself, pure, unadulterated, without my input, without layering it with myself and my wisdom, just that word, that message is powerful because God's power is in it. It's the power of God. It's the same word that God spoke with his words and he created all creation. And when a person hears and their ears receive the word of the gospel, power, the power of the gospel comes upon them. So that's interesting. He's not even saying, you know, Lord, I'll share this message with you if you'll give me power from the Holy Spirit. Because if I don't have this power in the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to be able to be successful. And there's some truth to that. But let me just tell you, you get power from the Holy Spirit just so you can overcome your temptation 
and your fear of being ashamed, but it doesn't make the gospel any more powerful. In fact, go out fearful. Go out in fear and trembling like Paul says he did, right? Paul says, I came to you in fear and trembling, but he preached the gospel, and in the message of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit was released upon the people and brought change. It's the message of the gospel that's the power of God. Not how powerful you are in the Spirit. Oh, God gives you help by the Spirit just to overcome your temptations, to be bold. But it's the message that's powerful. That's what Paul's saying here. Paul saw it again and again and again. He saw lives being wonderfully transformed. He saw the gospel hitting people and changing their lives in ways that we cannot imagine. It seems like a dream to me. I've been going overseas for 30 years. I've sat in dark huts, preached on mud floors, been in penthouses, been in every continent except for Antarctica, bringing the gospel to people. I'll go back in my mind and I'll think, oh, did that really happen or not? You know, it's like a dream. But then I'll go back and I'll find the notes that I've written through the years and it's, it's even better than what I remember, what God did in people's lives. Alexei and Novorossiysk, who having heard the gospel said, I'm an Orthodox Russian and I have all through communism never stopped praying my prayers and I'm not interested in what you have to offer. No problem, Iglesia. Good enough. The, the things we've talked about, I've written it down so you can look at it, should you be willing to. But if not, I'm not offended that you didn't like what I had to say. Two days later, he comes and seeks me out. What's this, what's this information? Who wrote this down? Where did it come from? Oh, it's, not, it's nothing special. It just explains the gospel through scripture, the gospel of God that I was trying to share with you. I don't know, but there's a prayer at the end of it. Who wrote this prayer? Well, I don't even know. It's not really important. It's just an expression of a person whose heart is confessing their sins and declaring that they're believing in Jesus Christ alone. No, you don't understand. I've been praying these prayers my whole life. I've been going to the Russian Orthodox Church, going through the prayers, and, and last night I read through this, and this was convincing to me, and I prayed this prayer, and something's changed in my life. I've never experienced anything like it. What is it about this prayer? Nothing, Alexei. It's the heart that's being turned by the Spirit to God to believe in his gospel. And then he's asking, well, am I righteous now? It, will this righteousness leave me? Will it last with me for all eternity? These are the kinds of questions he was asking me. For three hours we spoke with one another. I didn't remember how long it was. I went and looked at my notes yesterday. Three hours he kept asking me until I had to leave. At the end of it he said, you know, I was in... New Orleans on the 4th of July because I was a merchant marine and there were fireworks that were going off over the ship. It was exploding around us. I'd never seen anything like it. The tears were running down our faces as we were laying on our ship watching the fireworks exploding over us and over the harbor where we were at. And I just want you to know it's, it's nothing like what God is doing in my heart right now. Nothing like that. That's a Lytodians, by the way. It's using a negative to express, this is far superior. This is wonderful. It's a crowded room in Bekasi, Indonesia, where I shared the gospel with a group of individuals, and they prayed to receive Christ, and they came back the next day to disciple them. And they brought more people into this room. We were huddled around this room, so packed tight, it was suffocating. There was a dim little light that had to be like, do they make 20-watt light bulbs or 10-watt light? Because that's what it seemed like it was. And it was, tell them, our friends are here, tell them this story and tell them that story and tell them about what Jesus did here. Explain that to them. And I couldn't even begin the questioning because they kept telling me to tell their friends what they were responding to. And it became a little church. Lots of stories like that. What is it? 
It's the power of the gospel. If you will, in your fear, trust that the gospel is powerful, more powerful than your fears, and that the power is not in your bravery, but in the words of the gospel itself, and you'll be obedient and share it with others, this is the testimony that God will give you. And God will lead you into victory. And you'll be able to say with Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You might not want to put it that way. You just say, I am so proud of my Jesus and the gospel. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. And yet, against the indelible testimony of your word and what you've done in our lives, how easy it is to slip back under the persuasion of this world, the subtle temptations of the enemy. But God, anything that drives us from the clear, loving, earnest declaration of this message to others, oh, give us victory over it, we pray, dear Jesus so others might know the power we know ourselves. For anyone here this morning that does not know that power, but feels the weakness of their own flesh and their sin, and knows, dear God, they're not right before you, right now, by your Spirit, let them know they can be, if they will just but acknowledge and trust and believe in you. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.